It's just Jersey, man. We're a different breed. Place. Who doesn't want to win in Jersey? One. What's up, everybody? John Forster here, episode 27. Breakdown from the barn. With me, as always, the greatest mind in wrestling, Eric Renuck. We got a special guest here today. You, Penn, All-American, CJ Composto. How you doing, CJ? Good. It's an honor to be on. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on and ready to talk some, uh, talk some wrestling, talk some Philly wrestling, so... Yeah, absolutely. And and CJ, this is our uh, this is kind of our um, Ivy League week. So we're glad to have you on here um, before we go. in, because for those who don't know, CJ has a great background in his high school career. Third in the state. I think you were a New Jersey uh, freestyle All-American. You were on a couple of freestyle national teams. But let's go right into last year. Um, first year at UPenn. We'll go into it later. You were coming off a year where you missed your senior year in high school. We obviously had the COVID situation where the Ivies weren't wrestling. So you come into the season, you're in the mix at 141. I think you're battling with Carmen Frani. Um, next thing you know, you win the spot. You go on an early season tear. You start knocking out win after win. Next thing you know, you've got an undefeated dual meet, okay? I think early in the season, maybe mid-season, you start breaking the flow top 20. Everything starts boiling up. Um, took an early loss to Sebastian Rivera. But aside from that, pretty much an unblemished record. Walk into the EIWAs, become a finalist, get into the NCAAs your first year. Next thing you know, you're knocking off a fifth seed. You walk into an All-American blood round match with a three-time All-American Olympian and Steven Michik. Does any of this seem real at this point, CJ? I mean, kind of talk me through that because that just seems like a whirlwind season to me. Um, Yeah, I'd say de- definitely was a whirlwind season. Although it didn't really seem like it at the time, one uh, one mantra that our team kind of adopted was now, and we had this cool. we had this sign in our room that said now, and the meaning behind that was that our coach put it up there at uh, maybe January point in the season, saying how at this point in the season a lot of teams they start to look at March, start to look at oh we want to do this at NCAs we want to get this result versus he wanted to instill in us that be in this be in this moment be here today, be here right now, be in this repetition in practice, be in this conditioning rep in practice. So that, that mantra really resonated with me enough that I put uh, I put now in my mirror uh, at home. So every time brushing my teeth, washing my hands, going to bed, I saw it now. And uh, I kind of like that too. It spilled over into my ultimate life too. Just be in this moment. Uh, you're here right now. So yeah, it's kind of that cheesy saying they say at those yoga teachers, we're here now, but I, I really, I really resonated with that. So that helped me a lot. Just kind of ease my nerves. Um, not really thinking about the outcome too much, just be here now, be in this moment. So that was a big turning point in the season. Um, I would always make a bunch of funny videos too. I remember one day it was snowing. So in the snow, I drew the letters now and I made a video sent it in the group chat. I remember on the chalkboards in my class, I'd write in big letters uh, now. And so we'd send videos in our group chat. So our whole team kind of adopted that mantra. We had a couple other mantras uh, similar, but yeah, I, I, th- those mantras really helped me focus and uh, st- stay kind of lighthearted with it. So cool. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So talking about that season, I mean, you, you know, slow and steady and you just were getting it done. At what point did you start to believe that you'd be an All-American? You know, at what point in the season? Um, there a point where you were like, I could do this, I could get it done? If there was ever a, a moment in time where I said, I'm, I'm going to be an All-American, I think it was 
I think it was more just always I want to give my best effort and leave it all out there. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know if there was uh, there was a moment where I said, oh, I know I can do it now versus it was more just a steady, uh, steady progression. Well, your thing is now, so it was probably at the blood round match because that will yeah. just happen right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th that blood round match, um, that was a great learning experience because what happens after the blood round match is you wrestle another match about 30 minutes later. So while it was, it was a big deal for the program to have an all American and um, a lot of phones blown up and just talking to all the guys in the tunnel, I think it was, I was not prepared to then wrestle that next Concy, uh, Concy quarter or whatever you would call it. So I think that was a good learning experience, hopefully not in the blood round again, but I think for guys, for guys this year, I think we're going to have a lot of guys in that round. So I think it's important for them to realize, you know, you got to wrestle another match after that. The blood round isn't the finals. It's a big difference. So it's nice to win the blood round because you keep wrestling, but uh, yeah, that's not the end all be all, which cool. I was still kind of on cloud nine when I went out there for that, for that match. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, going into, going into that match about uh, Steven Meaches just took third in the world national finalist. You know, tell us about your mindset going into that match. Like, what were you, what were you thinking? Oh, that was, that was probably about as excited I've been for a match, just because how big of a uh, Meechich fan I was growing up. It's funny. Right. I have a video on my phone from 2000, December 2019 at the rack, Rutgers versus Michigan wrestling match. Um, it's a couple of my buddies from Westfield. We all went to the match. And after the match, Michigan's walking into their locker room for the tunnel. And I have a video, me and my phone screaming, me cheech, me cheech. Awesome. And then he put he puts his hand up and he waves to us. And we all I remember Luke Hurley, my brother Ethan, I think Scanlon was with us, and our friend Jeremy Silber. And me cheech goes, Hey. And then we were all like, Hey, where are you? So I was I was a huge fan of Michich growing up just because he always wrestled an unorthodox style. I always respected him not caving into the the classic American style. So I really I really looked up to him. So I was I was super amped to wrestle him just because I was such a big fan of his. That that's totally surreal, man, to have that moment almost yeah. as a fanboy. Next thing you know, you guys are battling out there for basically a top eight spot in, in the country. One of the biggest honors I think in collegiate sports is being all American. So that's an awesome story. Um, so let's take us let's go backwards now obviously we want to you know last year was such a big year for you um but i want to talk about your junior year at westfield because i was talking to john about this and and i know you go through these things you know they do in collegiate they talk about the greatest weight class ever and we're getting to jordan burroughs later but when you look at that that weight class you were in when you took third in, in uh in the state of new jersey you had a big win over jolie oliveri who's obviously you know having success at Rutgers. on that podium you had sammy bull alvarez you know won it Rutgers second team all-american robbie howard who you have, I think, a long history. I think, you know, going back to his days in Cranford early on, he obviously a, a Penn State star, star a three-time cadet world member. You know, you round that out with uh, Cavanilas, who's over at Brown. Eddie Hummel, who you know very well um, from Park. He's at Army. So that's a lot of local star power there. I mean, yeah. talk about that weight class, because looking at it, you know, looking at it now, it's like that's a hell of a top top six, top eight. Yeah, I think I think 126 in New Jersey has a really good legacy or yep. honestly, all, all the, all the, uh, all the middleweights, 26, 32, 38, you know, there's always going to be some studs there. So I know, I know the 126 pound champ this year we have at, uh, at Penn now, Evan Mugallion. He's been, uh, 
he's been killing it at those weights now. But yeah, I mean, there's always great competition in New Jersey. Um, I'm not I'm not really sure who's who's coming up now with the the freshmen, the the younger guys. But I I've, I've been here. It's still uh, still some hammers in there. So I think it's really really good because now you get recruited just by doing well at states. You don't really have to go to all these other tournaments that maybe kids from Georgia or right. Tennessee, or they, they would have to go to. So that, that's a good part. You know, you place at Jersey States, you got a good, good shot being recruited by some, by someone. So uh, no doubt yeah. it's the real deal. I mean, Ben Asker was talking about during his recruiting and, you know, he was telling everyone, yeah, I was a state champ. But like, Oh, uh, Wisconsin, I'll oh, get out of my face. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, I took top six, in New Jersey. Oh, let's, let's, let's talk. Yeah. So no, it carries weight. And just looking at that weight class now is, finally remember hopefully you know a couple of those guys continue to progress you can go back and say yeah I was part of that 126 weight class so keeping it local um and I know for you CJ it was a big deal for you to stay local obviously knowing you through the Westfield PAL program um wrestling for your hometown was a big deal wrestling for coach Kerr's so why don't you talk to me a little bit about kind of you know growing up through the youth PLO program and essentially what decide what made that decision because I think you had the pedigree to go parochial you probably could have gone private um, but you decided to stay home, wrestle for Coach Kerr. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, staying at home, going to Westfield, that was uh, that was a really big deal for me. Never really thought thought about it twice. Always knew I was going to Westfield. Um, I I always knew that uh, I didn't want to leave my friends because my friends weren't on the wrestling team. My friends did other things or didn't even do sports at all. So um, that was always very important to me. Um, cause I had my group on the wrestling team and then I had my group outside the wrestling team. And I wanted to make sure I kept close with both of those, um, groups. And then another thing about, um, going to, going to public school that I found really cool was, uh, this bigger than wrestling culture that we had created. Um, because all these guys, yeah, a lot of them liked wrestling. Um, some of them loved wrestling but also some of them hated wrestling, didn't like wrestling. Um, so we were able to, we had to find things to bond over other than just wrestling. We, we didn't talk wrestling 24 um, seven. So uh, yeah, our legendary, legendary secret Santa parties, uh, just three hours of straight laughs, making me smile, just thinking about it. But those were some great times. Uh, all the meals after, uh, after matches, all the all the lock the locker room shenanigans, we definitely we definitely had some good times good times in there. So that's pretty funny. I remember we put up Christmas lights once in the locker room, so that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, just bonding with um, bonding with guys with um, all different interests. Uh, you know, let's say you got twenty guys that all love wrestling, wrestle all year round. You know, obviously it's gonna be pretty easy to get good at wrestling, win some matches. But when you got 20 guys, two of them wrestle all year round. One guy's really good at football. Three other guys are on the soccer team. Three other guys, it's their first year wrestling. That That's a challenge. And I feel like um, I've always been someone to look for, look for a challenge. So not, not that, not that going to Westfield was a challenge, but I think you could have, could have argued that the easier route was going to a private school or, uh, for whatever people say, better partners, better coaches, but I didn't really see any of that. Um, I had great partners and great coaches, so I was lucky to, I was lucky to live in a town like Westfield that had a great program uh, in place already.
Yeah, I think we'll get into that, CJ, about, you know, kind of having the partners you had. I think you're blessed. Um, obviously, Luke Hurley was a, was a big uh, partner of yours. We'll touch that in a second. But um, real quick, I think you're part of a North Jersey championship, too, right, in the PAL program. So I think I got the shirt lying around somewhere um, with everyone's name on it. So at least you had a little pedigree coming yeah. up in the program. We never got the Central Jersey title, which was yeah. the – that was the big one, but it's, yeah. it's all right. Yep, all nice, good. Nice. So, so uh, jumping on that, you know, you place third in the state as a junior, senior year. You're looking to, um, you know, make noise, win, win that state title. You had your brother on the team. Walk us through that injury, that ACL tear, and how you know how that affected you, and how you were able to uh, come back from that. Yeah. Um, looking back, I would say that. That, that tearing my ACL, missing my senior year, that was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me in wrestling, but also uh, for my life. I kind of, I view that as one of my uh, rites of passage. Um, so I, th- I think maybe I was, maybe it was a sign or it was meant to be, but just tying too much of my identity to being a wrestler or th- this guy to places at States or blah, blah, blah but that can get taken away from you um, in an instant. So I think it, it made me, it really opened my eyes to find my great, find my greater purpose. And not that anyone has that figured out, but it really made me look, look inward and ask myself really tough questions. Like who who is, who is CJ Capasta? What do you want to be? What do you want to be, be remembered for? What do you want people to think of you? And you can't say a wrestler because that can get taken from you at, uh, at any point. So think of things, that have nothing to do with physical ability. How do you want to treat people? How do how do you want people to treat you? Um, so that, I think that I think that really uh, that was a really valuable experience going through that recovery process. Um, obviously, there was negatives to it. I didn't get to be on or be teammates with my brother, wrestle with my brother, uh, my senior year with all my buddies, Luke Hurley and th- those guys. Um, but yeah, it was a great great learning experience that um i'm super super thankful i was able to or maybe not thankful but i'm grateful for that that experience that i had to learn a lot of things about myself and really uh dig deep into the soul during that time so um yeah yeah, i'm super grateful for that time and i can tell you cj not to build you up a little bit but i've talked to some people in the program in the in kind of in that upenn room and everything i hear when i said you know my you got my boy cj down there i remember talking about that last year they all say yeah he's a great wrestler but man what a great guy what a great person okay how involved is he okay just an a plus person so i think everything you're speaking about what you've learned from that into finding out who cj composto is um I always, someone always told me the wrestling will take care of itself. You, you work on being a better you. So I think you're living that life. Everything I hear is that basically you, you practice what you preach, preach. So it's all good stuff. Um, but just speaking about Thank staying you. local and going back to that a little bit, and we just touched on a few questions ago. One of the things you were blessed with is having a strong workout partner. And obviously you have a um, state place winner, Luke Hurley at home with you coming up through the program. Um, he's now, I believe at Steven. So he's got a nice little career in front of him. Tell us the history of you guys together and kind of how he prepared you to kind of get through your, your, your high school career and get you to the next level. Yeah. The history of CJ Compost and Luke Hurley. It's a long history. It's yep. a great history too. Luke's Luke's one of my great friends, even obviously still to this day, probably one of the guys I talk to the most. Um, we've it's always kind of been whatever I'm doing, Luke's doing whatever Luke's doing, CJ's doing. So going to all the duels together, staying in the hotels, uh, 
all, all that good stuff, being partners, par- partners every day, pretty much. We were partners every day from first grade to 12th grade. Crazy. And the, the joke that the joke that we would always have, we said, dude, even even when we get married, there will there will never be another human on Earth that has touched you more than me. <laughs> That's what we would always say, because we would we would wrestle. We wrestled every day for 12 years together. Crazy. Um, and we're both we're both lucky enough that it was a good it was a good partnership. We're both scoring each other, both taking each other down. Um, so I, th- I think. You know, if there were no CJ or if there was no Luke, we would still we would still find a way to be successful. But, um, you know, I just think we're both hardworking guys. But still, I think without without each other, we're both on very, very different paths. I don't know what those paths would be, but um, also even from the wrestling and having a good partner, technical, but also I've mentioned a couple of times just keeping the fun in it. And with without Luke, I don't even maybe I would have quit wrestling when I was in right. middle school. But um, I just knew even if I even if I wasn't having a good time with wrestling, I didn't want to go to practice. I'd at least get to hang out with Luke. So it, it was always it was always keeping the fun in it with me and Luke. Obviously, we get into a lot of fights, too, as, as a couple there's got to be some rivalries there, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's definitely some rivalries uh we've had our we've had our rap battles or roast battles whatever you want to call them uh so those are always, always entertaining for the team but yeah it's definitely it's been a while now since we've had a, a big uh, a big fight but yeah just like brothers do you know brothers fight all the time yep. that was kind of the relationship that we had uh so anytime we'd fight or roast each other um yeah we knew it was always jokes although it it was good roast because everyone would just roast us for being small or being short, but now we're both small and short. So we got to come up with new, we can't just call each other small and short. Cause <laughs> if I call him small, he just calls me small. So we actually have to come up with creative, creative, uh, creative roast. So it was, it right. was good stuff, but I'm super, super grateful that Luke, uh, Luke's in my life still. So. Nice. Cool. That's cool. So we talk about off the mat stuff, kind of still on the mat, but um, you know, things you're doing outside your competitive wrestling um, beat the streets, great organization there in Philly. I did some coaching for them back in the day. I mean uh, you know, they're doing amazing things over there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, beat the streets Philly and how you're involved in that, uh, that aspect. Yeah. Oh, where you coached in uh, Philly. Yeah, I coached uh, Pal, you know, Pal, oh, uh, Pal, and then a couple yeah. other, um, you know, high schools over in Philly. I used That's to work, I, I'm not too far now, I'm over the bridge, but I used to work in Philly. So I would go okay. down there. I would work out with uh, Miles Lee. I was like, this kid, I'll, I'll give you the history. I was uh, training MMA, and this kid's like 15 years old. I'm a Division One wrestler, CJ. 15-year-old kid is taking me down, never wrestled before. I'm like, what the heck, man? And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell is wrong with you? You're like a freak of nature. This guy is just a freak of nature. And, you know, ended up, um, you know, I was like, you got to get a wrestling. And he got in touch with Beat the Streets and uh, got into it. And then I ended up uh, 
coaching over there a little bit. And um, yeah, he ended up uh, second at Fargo, three-year yeah. wrestler, second out Fargo uh, beat the streak, took him, was the first guy to place at uh, PA State. So um, he's doing great things right now, three yeah. and one MMA, yeah. um, pro MMA. But, you know, just the thing is you, you hear about the athletes, right? He's, he's an amazing athlete. But then there's these other people that aren't that great of athletes, but they're, you know, they might not have the big wrestling credentials, but they're doing some good things in life now because of that. Yeah. So why don't you talk about your involvement there and um, uh, with beat the streets and the things. going? Yeah. On. I think that's interesting. You mentioned you hear the athletes or you don't hear about these other people. What, when I think of beat the streets, the great thing that I, uh, the great thing about it to me is that I don't think of any one person. I just think of the team, the team as uh, I think of it as one unit. Um, and I think similar to what I was talking about with Westfield, this bigger than wrestling culture, that's really what I found with, um, with spending time at beat the streets. And obviously with my pen team, it's a lot of high level wrestlers. We all connect with that. But I think at, at, uh, at beat the streets, Philly, we, we connect with a lot of things other, other than wrestling. Um, like I, like my teammates in high school, a lot of these guys play football. A lot of them do other sports during other seasons or, they're working on the weekends. They can't go to all these tournaments. Um, so we're, we're really able to connect uh, over a whole bunch of different things. We play chess all the, we play chess all the time, uh, play a bunch of other board games all the time. Uh, yeah, but I've, I've really found it uh, valuable to me to, to be involved with that bigger than, bigger than self and bigger than wrestling culture that, uh, that we're building at Be the Streets Philadelphia and hopefully – uh, you know, other beat the streets uh, across the country would say the same, but I, I think Philly's, Philly's got it down, uh, down pretty good. It's actually, it's interesting because the beat the streets Philadelphia office is closer to my apartment than the Penn wrestling room is nice. to my apartment. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of just a calling for me to just go there because uh, it's so, it's so close. Like how, 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 how could you not go there? Um, spend some time in the, in the weight room on the mats, uh, just in the room. So I'm super, I'm super thankful that it's, um, that's right by my, uh, right by my front door and doors always open. Uh, it's just a place of place of, uh, you know, it's place of welcomeness. No, no one has ever turned down there. No matter the gender, the size, the wrestling experience, um, Obviously, some wrestling teams, you know, if you're not a certain experience level or a certain, uh, you know, you don't have a certain expertise, you can't join the team versus beat the streets. It's just anyone and anyone can everyone and anyone can come into those doors, hang out. You don't even have to wrestle. You come hang out, uh, watch, watch wrestling with the guys, play chess with the guys. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a it's a great place of belonging and any anyone really could you guys could walk in tomorrow and we everyone be hanging out they wouldn't even ask who you are like they wouldn't even notice they would just say oh what's up so it's really just it's a great place i've i've really loved going brings me a lot of joy so i like that phrase you give it's a very welcoming place and it sounds like yeah. you know and everything i've ever heard about beat the streets both in philadelphia and new york is that that's really what it's doing it's preparing people not necessarily to be all americans like yourselves but be that be better people okay be better citizens okay be part of the community okay setting you up for the future in life that's outside of us and i think for you 
being involved with an organization like that, that's something that can carry forward because, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, you know, my wrestling career is over. I know, I know John, I saw him out there a little bit banging around, but at some point this does come to an end. And I think this is something that you can kind of embrace long-term, be a part of even post-wrestling career. So I think it's all good stuff. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of that Philadelphia area and speaking about beat the streets, because I know that's something that Jordan Burroughs is very his heart. Um, but being at, uh, at UPenn, you've had the opportunity to learn from some of the literally the greatest in the world and some of the best that's ever come out of New Jersey. I think of Joey McKenna. I think of Jordan Burroughs. Um, you know, obviously, you've got Mark Hall and, and some of the other guys there. But tell us about the relationships that you've built with some of those guys. And what does it mean to have basically the Pennsylvania RTC in your corner kind of supporting you outside of just kind of your normal program? I have, I have great relationships with all those guys you just mentioned. Obviously, Mark, my coach, Joey, uh, Joey Jordan, Dave, uh, Rich Perry. But it, for me, and I think for a lot of the other guys, it's really humanized uh, those guys. When I was in high school watching them, not that they weren't human, but you think you can never do, you can never do that stuff or what they're doing is impossible. They're so good. They're so naturally talented. I can never be at that level. And then you get here and then you, you start training with them and they come up to you and you start rolling with them and wrestling with them. And you really, you really begin to learn that they're, they're at where they're at because of sheer hard work. Um, nothing was ever handed to Jordan Burroughs or Joey McKenna. That's, right. That's a product of their work ethic, their commitment to to the sport over over a long period of time. Uh, Jordan was just talking to the team recently when he got back from from Serbia, the World Championships, and it, it was really valuable. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it speech, but pre practice talk for me to hear, and he was just talking about the importance of. He he said this quote. Big, big goals with no small go- without small goals within is no goal at all. And he was just talking about how you need to build up these little wins day after day after day. And you, you don't you don't set a goal as a world champ and then say, all right, I'm going to go do it. Now yeah. you set up this goal to be a world champ. And then you have a very thought out plan of how, how you're going to do that. Um, and, and these small wins he was talking about, that's how you also keep the fun in it. You say world champ and that's your one and only goal. Well, what if I never become a world champ? How well, that's not going to be pretty fun. So you set these little goals in between, and you check them off as you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that Jordan and all all the guys talk about is uh, they really put a focus on effort. They never talk about wins or losses or <laughs> the, the results. Um, very focused on just a hundred percent effort in this moment. And if I can give a hundred percent effort that I can be happy with, with how I did. And that's, that's another thing that's really resonated with me again, on and off the mat. Um, now, not, not to, not to put too much of my worth in the, in the results or I guess when I get older in the job or w- whatever example you want to put into your life, but just focus on, focus on your effort. And did you, did you give it your hardest? And if you did and you failed, that's a good, that's a good job. That's good work. Um, obviously we want to win and do well, but, um, effort is really the thing when you go to bed at night and you put your head on your pillow or you're looking in your mirror, you only, only, you know, if you gave hundred percent effort, um, you know, Jordan can, Jordan wins a world title. People can look at that and think he gave hundred percent effort or, 
sport. I think he didn't give 100% effort, but Jordan really deep down is the only one. He's the only one that knows, did I empty my tank? And I believe he empties his tank every time. And he's been a great, he's been a great role model for me and, and all the guys, just how to, how to, uh, how to live life on and off the mat. And uh, it's funny because me and my, uh, me and my friend Kelly have been uh, saying this one mantra, like classes in session. And we say it because we, we learned so much from these, uh, from these PRTC guys, these senior level athletes and our coaches that we, we feel we learn more from them than our, our classes. I, I found that that speech from Jordan so valuable to me that I, I try, I wrote it down and I want to remember that and look back at it. Um, so yeah, classes in session when those guys are talking and when they're, uh, it's awesome when they're, when they're wrestling. And one more, one more point on, uh, on Jordan, I talk about with my teammates. Uh, when you when you look at the philosophers or thinkers of the back in the back in the heyday in the early days, those were the those were the wrestlers and those were the gladiators. Those were the leaders of leaders of men. And so I really think it's foolish now if you don't if you don't take what Jordan is saying and really try to um, put live out live out the words that he's saying in your, in your own life because I think. I think anyone in the world, wrestler or not, can learn from what Jordan has to say about work ethic and commitment and holding yourself to a higher standard. Um, yeah, so it's it's. I could really go on and on about these senior level guys, uh, but it's really just been priceless to have them uh, to look to learn from them as anything and have them as friends and mentors. Um, I'm just super super grateful for them, all of them. That's great. And maybe Jordan, he's obviously called the GOAT, but maybe we call him the philosopher now. I like that. Jordan yeah, no, <laughs> super, super, super bright guy. I mean, I really look up, I really look up to him in all, in all aspects of life. He seems like he's got the answer for everything. Although I'm sure if you ask him, he'd say he doesn't have the answer for everything, which is, uh, which is a funny part. But Best yeah. and brightest, CJ, are always the most humble. That's what I've learned. Yeah, yeah. JB, JB the philosopher, he's, he's definitely the most humble, so – that's true. Yeah. All right. So I think we're going to get into some uh, rapid fire questions right now. Uh, great, great interview, CJ. We're going to close out with these rapid fire questions. But first, I want to tell the people listening, you know, I know beginning of the year, most people didn't know about uh, CJ Composto and no one thought he was going to be an All-American. But if you were listening to our show, I'll tell you the greatest Mayan wrestling from the beginning of the season was always Watch out for this guy, CJ Composto. Very good coming in. And then next thing you know, in the finals of the Matt Town, tough field there, makes the finals. He's like, I told you, my boy CJ Composto got more in the tank, you know, got more going. Um, and people didn't know how good that field was at the Matt Town back then, but but it was a good field. Um, you know, beat a beat an All-American in the semis, a future All-American. And hey. You know, they don't call this guy the greatest mind in wrestling for nothing. He, he had yeah. that peg from the beginning of the year, um, but that was all good stuff. But let's get into these rapid fire questions. We got these, a lot of these coming from, uh, you know, coming from some of our fans out there. So these first two, uh, first two come from uh, uh, Coach uh, Kurtz. So uh, number one, uh, tell me about how many pull-ups you did back in September. 10,000. 10,000. Wow. Big number. Big number. Big All right. Number. You have a strong feeling towards avocados. <laughs> That's an understatement. 
nice. You like them? You're good? Oh, I love them. I love them. I'll probably have one after this on a nice, uh, on a nice everything bagel, maybe with some eggs, you know, just great. The healthy fats. Love nice. guys. So another question, obviously we talked about you and Willie were awesome partners together. Um, and so much star power to roll with over at UPenn, but who is your fa- who's been your favorite drill partner? Maybe somebody we have we haven't touched upon that you maybe you want to highlight. Um we highlighted briefly, but definitely gotta highlight Joe McKenna. Um he's always been there for me, uh, in the season. Whenever, whenever I asked him to wrestle, always respond yes immediately, roll the next day. Um it's, it's been really great to learn from him, someone that's my weight, uh, someone that beats me up in the room on a, on a regular basis. Uh, so learning from him, he has some really, really good techniques that I have, even still that I need to, I need to learn, like his outside step and his drag series. Um, so he's got a lot, to, a lot to teach me, but his, his movements are just next, next level. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna keep learning from him, but he's been great. Uh, I, I remember at one point in the season, I asked him to roll, and the PRTC just finished a workout. He just did a two-hour practice, and then he rolled with me for an hour. And like, just a really selfless leader, Joey. Um, so really, yeah, just keep wanting, keep wanting to uh, spend time with him, surround myself with uh, great leaders. But yeah, Joey's become a great friend of mine, and yeah, I, I really look up to what he's done in his his uh, his wrestling and his life too. He's a really great guy. Okay, yeah. big, big question for you, CJ. The biggest moment so far in your life, knocking off Steven Meechuk in the blood round or having Jordan, Jordan Burroughs on Twitter call you a bad, bad man? Definitely Jordan Burroughs on Twitter calling me a bad, bad man. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Hi, this one's, this one's from our UPenn correspondent, Josh Baylor, EIWA champion UPenn. Um, who's the best wrestler of, at Westfield of all time, and do you have a shot at taking that spot? Gotta say, Chris Campbell. Yep, uh, that Olympic medal. Um, I mean, I guess technically you could say I have a shot since I'm only 20, but uh, don't want to disrespect uh, the goat there with uh, with Campbell. So yeah, I got to go with him. Plus his long, his longevity is pretty sick too. So yeah, De- definitely him. Yeah, man. You had not some, some bad wrestling before. You obviously Christian Barber stage show. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I grew up with a kid in Corey Posey who we talked about. Um, who's, and you might fall in this category one day too, CJ. One of the greatest New Jersey wrestlers to not win a state title, but obviously Chris Campbell. Obviously, he did put you in the World Circuit. And, you know, we're fighting for you, though, man. We, we think you can make it out there. In fact, you know, CJ, oh. before we close, everything you've been talking about now—that's been the big mantra. And then you're talking about what Jordan's told. It's living in the moment. All seems to tie together. So, when you eventually get to that national final, I expect Van Halen uh, right now as your theme song to kind of keep everything up. Um, so. Last question for me. Um, who was the biggest influence in your life and why is it Darren Capasso? <laughs> That's funny. I was, I was going to say my dad or I was going to say my parents when uh, before you said that. But yeah, I definitely got to say my parents. They've always been there. Always been there for me. Maybe even more than I wanted them to be there uh, at times. But yeah, now uh, I, think, I think my relationship with my parents has actually gone better since I've since I moved here to college, I think I'm kind of starting to realize a lot of the things that they did or a lot of the way that they lived their life was actually just for for the betterment of uh, of their kids. And I don't know if every if every college kid can say the same about about their parents. So at one point, maybe I, I resented uh, 
the, the always on top of doing this, doing this, or whatever. But now I'm super grateful that uh, to have the parents that I have. And I, I consider myself very lucky just that my parents really poured so much, poured so much into me and my brothers, Ethan and Zach. So I, I really can't, uh, can't explain enough how grateful I am that to, uh, to have the parents that I have. And that just makes me want to do the same for for my kids one day too hopefully so yeah my parents have just been uh have just been the best so really really happy about that great way to end it cj uh great interview we're going to be looking forward to you uh three more years at penn uh going to do great things there um hey make sure you guys at home follow the show man follow us on instagram on facebook on spotify on youtube make sure you give us a follow uh we'll be covering everything we'll be covering you penn you penn guys give us a follow we'll be covering you penn we'll be covering princeton we'll be covering Rutgers, rider all the schools and, and talk to you guys later man 